You are listening to the Evolution Exchange NHS podcast. We shine a light on the topics that matter to digital and data leaders in the NHS. I'm Thomas Lyon and I help connect digital leaders in the NHS with interim talent and I am your host. The views expressed by guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the official position or policy of their organisation. So uh, welcome everyone to today's podcast focusing on female leadership within the NHS and um, you know, just want to say thank you all again for taking the time to participate, you know, it's very much appreciated. Um, so you all know me, but by way of introduction, I'm Thomas Lyon. I work for Evolution Recruitment in the NHS team and we are committed to helping people and NHS organisations realise their potential. So to bring that to life, our goal is to develop deep relationships with individuals, building trust to make doing business easier. What we're we doing, we're collaborating with NHS organisations, helping them build uh, high performing digital teams. How are we doing that? Well, we do that through curating and sharing insights and industry best practice uh, into the ever-evolving NHS and digital industry. And that's exactly what we're going to do today uh, as we share some of your insights from your individual perspectives. So we're going to start off by going around doing introductions. So you can please introduce yourself, the trust you work for and your role within that trust. Lara, as you hear first, would you mind going first, please? Yeah, hi, I'm Lara. I'm, um, I'm on day three of a new role. Um, as Director of Ops for Women's and Children's at London Northwest University Hospital. Um, I'm based at Norfolk Park, but we have services at Ealing Hospital and also Central Middlesex. So um, I'm, yeah, that's, I suppose my job, my focus is, um, it's a huge agenda. Um, mm -hmm. Stephanie, you'll know a lot about the issues in women's and children's here. So um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of sort of transformation work to do lots of continuous improvement, um, sustainability work, um, as well as managing the day-to-day. -day. So, no, I'm really excited by it, really um, looking forward to getting getting into a ops role again. Brilliant, thank you for that, Lara. Uh, Stephanie, would you mind going next, please? Not at all, not at all. I'm Stephanie, Stephanie Shan, Stephanie Stevenson Shan. Um, I am a nurse by background, and um, since qualifying, I've done varying roles, um, from being sort of, uh, I started off at Harefield Hospital, where I worked in cardiothoracics, um, did a lot of um, work in um, transplantation there, came on to be sort of leading critical care over at West Middlesex. And I've done a number of management roles in uh, West Middlesex um, and then helped with the transition when um, Chelsea acquired the trust. Um, I then broadened out, wanted to do something a bit different. So that's how I ended up in the digital world. And when we agreed that we were going to take uh, Cerna, um, I was what they called the engagement and transformation lead. And then that sort of finished and COVID came along. So I found myself uh, doing things like running the isolation hotel and then running uh, a lot of the areas in Northwest London for vaccinations. Anyway, we had from Westminster Abbey Science Museum um, to all the hospital hubs. So it's been, been quite a fun time for me, busy but fun. And now I'm, I've got the title of vaccination lead for Chelsea Westminster Hospital. Sorry, I did waffle a bit then, didn't no, I? No, not at all. Not at all. It's a good introduction. A very detailed good story. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's good. Um, it's always good to have someone with clinical background on as well, especially when you're working with the NHS. It's, it, it kind of gives a different perspective as well. Um, Eleanor, would you mind kind of going next, please? Yeah, um, so I am Eleanor or Ellie Hood. Um, I am the Principal Innovation Lead at the Royal Free London NHS Foundation Trust, to say its full name. 
Um, so I'm currently in a role leading the innovation team, which has been stood up um, about a year ago now, um, and it's grown from six to about 40 people. So it's quite a task within that time frame. Um, previous to that, I was um, <laughs> a bit of a jack of all trades. So I worked for NLCSU, but I was put on placement across London system, both in acute community commissioning um, uh, and BI, you name it, I've probably done it, um, which is a really good basis for innovation. But that's my sort of background. It's lovely to meet you all. Thank you. Brilliant. So um, thank you all for introducing yourself. I do appreciate it. And I appreciate you all probably familiar with Teams right now, but for a better flow of the podcast, you know, as if you'd like to raise a point when someone else is speaking, would you like to raise your hand? Um, it just allows for a better, better flow of the conversation. And then what we'll do is then come to you when it's possible and the other person finishes speaking. So um, thank you all for sending me some, you know, excellent questions and topics that you'd like to discuss. Um, again, Lara, as you hear first, I'd like to invite you to ask, you know, discuss your point first. So, Lara, you mentioned how you'd like to discuss how women support each other or not, and, you know, how that is made a priority within NHS going forward. Would you like to elaborate on that before I direct to the rest of the panel? Yeah, uh, thank you. So, when I'm um, asked to do this, I mean, there's so many topics, aren't there, that we could talk about as being women in health, in leadership roles. And I guess I just reflected on something I'm really passionate about and I've noticed and I observe it. So I think, I think you know, I don't know the statistics, Tom, maybe I should, but it, it, you, you know, the perception is there are more women than men in healthcare. And I know we're going to come on to that later. But, you know, if you looked at um, senior positions, you know, a lot are held by, by men. I'm interested in working with women and I love it love women love female colleagues but I think there's two bits to my point I guess it's how do we support each other to be the best we can be and why don't we always do that so if I look at my career which has been very successful very varied both in London and in the Middle East which is a whole other chapter um, about women in healthcare and leadership roles some of my most difficult times have been when I've been managed by women. Um, some of my most difficult conversations have been by other women to me, whether it's a colleague or someone I, who reports to me or someone who's managing me. Um, and it's not to say that we should treat each other differently. But I think in all the conversations around um, how we're managed by women, and we will all be, and I am today, those conversations need to be to add value to you as a person, to your career, and to be really constructive. Um, and I've had some really good female leaders, um, some fabulous people I've worked with, but I do look at some of my darkest days in the NHS being managed by um, female exec directors um, who just weren't pleasant, who were quite short with me, snappy, not really interested in me or my career. Um, and whilst I get that, that that does happen in life, I think as women, we have a real duty to make, get the best out of each other. And I'm always more disappointed when I have to intervene or try and mediate, I guess, between different groups of women. Because I think it just, it just gives everybody else ammunition. 
And if we're doing that then on the back of saying, well, why don't we get all the top jobs? Why are we sometimes overlooked? I think we just have to think how we behave to each other and, and have really well thought through conversations. So there'll always be women that you get on with in your workplace and they're really easy conversations, they're easy colleagues to have and how lovely is life then. But there'll be people who'll be more difficult and we'll all have them, we'll all know who they are, we'll all have to have conversations like that tomorrow. But I think those, we have to be really mindful that those conversations add value to the individual and to the tasks that we all need to do. So I'm really passionate about that and I think we've just got to all get better. And I think we also need to promote each other to get to where we want to be, whatever your potential is. If it's, you know, meeting an admin person who wants to become an admin manager, wants to become a service manager, meeting a ward sister who wants to become a matron, meeting a director of ops who wants to become a chief exec. I think we just need to support each other um, the best we can by being really honest, being transparent and really encouraging, because I think it is difficult at times. And, I don't want to get onto the whole, oh, poor us, because I don't think that at all. But it is sometimes harder, isn't it? You know, women will go home and do the majority of work at home. They'll do the majority of work with the children. There'll be exceptions. But if you read all the research, it's the unpaid work. It's the unseen work, isn't it? And I always call it in my life, sort of, I keep the show on the road. Um, my husband, there'll be 101 things I do. He won't even know need doing. Um, so I just wanted to really open with that and I'm happy to debate that and discuss it further obviously and to hear the views of um, both of both of my colleagues on the call um, and I suppose to look at your experiences does it resonate what I'm saying um, or is it just me um, I don't think it is I've had com oh, it's this is a feature of um, my girlfriend's conversations all of us in healthcare. Um, but I'd be interested in your views also. So, Tom, should we? Do you want us to have a discussion a little bit about that? Definitely, definitely. I could see Stephanie and Eleanor nodding throughout that. Um, and just like say, from my point of view, I'm quite surprised that you said that the some of the female leaders you've encountered have been kind of the less uh, pleasant with you. I feel as though they they kind of face similar challenges to yourself throughout yeah. their career. So why can't they understand and try and yeah. you know? make sure that you don't experience that, at least from yeah. when they're working under you. I'm, I am yeah. quite surprised by that. Um, Stephanie, would you like to kind of go first in terms of build on that, you know, and respond to what Lara's just said? I, I think it's interesting, isn't it, that we see things now in the workplace that um, we talk still about maternity leave, paternity leave, etc. Um, and yes, there are sort of women's groups where we can talk about the menopause and things like that. But it's interesting you say that because I'm not saying that all women, it's only women that have mental health issues, but I've been um, doing quite a lot of that today on a study day. And it's quite interesting when I was listening to um, how they were talking about people not wanting to come forward with mental health issues. I think sometimes women don't with with different issues either, because I think they, you know, worried or they have had, like you've said, you know, in the past we all have, where people have thought, well, you know, why aren't you getting on with it? You know, mm -hmm. that isn't that part of what you do. And I, I don't understand it either. I can't find anything nicer than supporting somebody exactly. else to, to get that that next role to, um, you know, encourage them to, to do more. Um, and I think 
you know, I think it's quite a shame, really, that we can't have those those talks with people. I often think that perhaps, yes, it's them that, they, they, you know, they they haven't got their own confidence. But when you're in the middle of that, you, you can't see a way out of it. And all you can see is this person who is not even managing you and, dare, you know, doesn't know the word leadership, you know, and it's very hard. Well, thank you for sharing that, Stephanie. Lara, you got anything to say in response to that? No, and I think I agree with what you're saying. And I think, you know, your point, there's nothing better than helping someone reach their potential, is it? Regardless of who they are, man or woman, mm. you know, that's that's what I want to do. And I get this, and that's what you're saying, Stephanie. Um, you know, my comments aren't around the majority of female leaders, but but you remember the ones that just don't get it quite right and they stay with you. Maybe those people help make us better leaders. I think they do. I had, I remember it was when I was at Harefield and it was when you had the DEF grade nurses. So yeah. before we had uh, gender change and there was one matron and I say good morning to her every morning. I used to look her in the eye and say good morning. When I got my F grade, she said good morning. Yeah. You know, and I, you know, come on, you know, it's, yeah. that's not how we treat our staff. And that is the God's honest truth, you know. Oh, I understand. I understand. Eleanor, what would you like to say to that? Uh, yeah, no, I was. I sort of reflected on this. I reflected on it when I saw the question as well. And I, th I, th I think for me, when someone um, believes in you, the amount of growth that you have and confidence is just mm. sky high. And I, I reflected on the sort of relationships with other women in leadership or below and I was like quite a lot of it is almost a bit like the reflection of them themselves I guess and yeah. almost like that comes that projection and it's almost like when you're speaking to another I guess another female um, in the position that she needs to grow and be like become a leader it's almost as if like you have to do that self-talk to them and it's what you put out there is what they'll take from it but if you're projecting all of this anxiety and almost harassment or negativity because that's almost what you feel about what you're going through I think there's there's definitely something in there about this this projection and being mindful of, of yourself and what you put out there for another woman to mm -hmm. no, that's brilliant that's brilliant thank you for sharing that uh, anything I'd just like to add anyone to that no, I think it's, I suppose all these conversations, just to remind, it's a good reminder to all of us today, isn't it, to go tomorrow and be the best we can be and to role model that yeah. in a very consistent behaviour. And I yeah. think, I, I don't want to sit on this call and, you know, generalise men, but I think there's some, there is a bit of perception of some of our male colleagues that we are slightly more erratic, um, we're hormonal, we're a bit crazy at times. And I think, and I don't believe that. I think we just, I think we just show our emotions in a different way. Mm. Um, and I think that's a good thing. I think the world benefits from that, as it does from other characteristics in our male colleagues. But I think it's just about going out tomorrow, isn't it? And and challenging other women about their behaviour as well. So when I see the behaviour of people talking to other people or to emails, or a bit, I think. I think yeah. We, uh, you know, we need to be those role models out there because not everyone will have had a good role model. Um, yeah. So I think yeah. that's a really important thing. And I guess, again, Tom, yeah, that's another podcast in itself, isn't it? You know, role modelling and mentoring and, you know, yeah. all of that. 
Yeah, it's a very good point, Lara. It's a very good point. I mean, role models, the people mm. that you have looking over you can really determine you as a person and yeah. how you act when you kind of reach that level, yeah. you know, as you said, you know, and that's why I think it's really important to kind of mm. kind of what you want in return put out there yourself, you know, yeah. it's that kind yeah. of that kind of outlook on life. Um yeah. no, it was really interesting in the conversation that and I think you've definitely great points to raise there. Um, so for next, I'd like to go on to uh, Stephanie's uh, question. So Stephanie has, has put forward the question, you know, the NHS has become a female-dominated environment, but have, you know, has the NHS got enough women in senior roles and what impact is this having? So when me and Stephanie had our conversation, um, there was quite a lot more background to this question, wasn't there, Stephanie? Would you like to elaborate on that and tell yeah, uh, the, like, the rest? Yeah, and I think it's a really good time, actually, from, from what you've just said, Laura, because... You know, when you look at uh, women, you know, when we had the banking crisis, a lot of people said if we had women at the top or, dare I say, not old fashioned men, then they probably wouldn't have taken the chances. And therefore, we wouldn't have been in the mess we were in. And, you know, we can see that in all walks of life, can't we, at different times at the moment as well. Um, but I do think we it, it's very much like we, we were just talking about as well, about the nurturing. And I think we have got women, you know, from from all different cultures, all, you know, all different works at walks of life. And that's the most wonderful thing about the NHS. We, you know, we went up to a certain banding. We have lots of women, lots of people doing different things. And I think people are quite, um, if you like, on a par with one another. And, you know, I'm afraid it's not just because people go on off and have babies. And I'm glad we don't go back to the 80s where you had like two weeks off because you were a woman. You had to come back to work. You know, I'm glad we do have proper maternity leave and paternity leave now. Mm. But I do wonder it, what is stopping us as women going to the top or as many of us going to the top? Is it that it is very paternalistic up there? And is it then... Going back to your point, Laura, that some women, when they're there, have taken on the wrong role models. So they do make those those rude, if you like, rude things when they say it, it, in a meeting, the email, I think emails are one of the worst things, aren't they? You know, why people don't go and find people. COVID's not been good for that, has it? But I just wonder, you know, what 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 can we do with our sort of fellow women of the future to to bring them with all that that goodness all that difference and uh, make it a better place brilliant thank you for sharing that stephanie um, as i went to lara first last time i'd like to take this one to eleanor first would you mind uh, elaborating on that and see what your thoughts are yeah no i I've, i definitely reflected on this and i would say coming from the innovation tech sector particularly um, the number of meetings I've been in where I've been the only female has been really stark. Um, <clears throat> and the uh, sort of the, the general amount of <laughs> confidence and almost ra not raising of my voice, but raising of my, my volume level to be able to get heard has been an experience that I've definitely been through. And <clears throat> I, I think that what Lara mentioned, the first question is, is about that that support and encouragement to get more people into the space and um, particularly when entering into a I guess a, quite a male environment and how do we coach people on the side about what to expect 
what not to get, I guess, almost um, not, 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 not rejected by, I'm, I'm missing the word I mean, but almost um, demotivated by in an environment that's not attuned to how you would normally operate or that's receptive to you. And I think there's definitely something about that supportive environment that we can do as leaders to people that um, work um, uh, with us, but also just just more on that that friendship basis about, particularly in tech sector. Like I've I was talking to a young younger colleague of mine that was going into a meeting for men. And I had a sort of conversation there about this is what you might expect. I'm here to support you when you come out of it, stand your ground, and almost supporting through those those experiences that we have um to sort of make sure that we have that support network mm. oh, brilliant thank you shana eleanor before we move on to lara and we'll see what she thinks is there anything you'd like to say that back to that stephanie no i just i completely agree especially in the tech world and it, it's quite interesting i don't know if it's subconsciously or not but i know going in there i you know with cerna i tried to make sure i knew everything there was about it so when i went in there i wasn't the the sort of the token woman that didn't and i think sometimes it, it's it's very much like we were saying about uh, the rudeness of some people it's it's where you're in those um places and people don't know they don't know as much as you do and I think for female colleagues going into those situations it's sort of saying to them look you know your stuff head up get yeah. in the front there and you know what you're saying really means something you know yeah definitely agree with that brilliant uh, Lara what's your what's your thoughts on that? I mean I think it's back to the um to the confidence isn't it? and us being the best we can be to get the best out of our female colleagues so that when they walk into a room or a meeting or into a situation they go with their you know with the toolkit if you like so they go with their confidence their experience they go with recent feedback of how they've managed similar situations that they will have asked for or have had that will be helpful um and it is just about and it's also about when you're in that room you know, Ellen, I worked in the Middle East, so I was often the only female in the room. Yeah. Um, often felt like in the building. Um, and it was really important that when I went in, I was prepared. And that I and I knew I was and often I was the most experienced person in that room. So I think it's reminding yourself before you go and what am I going into this meeting for this situation and what 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 I learned previously. Um, there will always be people who will make life a bit more difficult. And I think as women, there is an ex I think we do have to just be that much better at times. I think men are a little bit more forceful. Sometimes, Ellen, you know, you mentioned sometimes you have to speak up a little bit to make yourself heard. And maybe it's how we sit taller or have more facts to our fingertips. But I think they're all things that we should be doing to be heard. But I think it is back, it's back to going in with confidence and when I was um, first a general manager, I'd been a head of nursing for years at St Mary's and my boss was a, a woman, a wonderful, wonderful GM who managed me, Ellen. Um, and she had time out and she said, I want you to be the general manager. And I said, no, I can't do it. I'm, I'm a nurse. I can't be a general manager. I said, well, you've been doing half of the job. Of course you can. And she said, remember when you walk in the room, you'll most likely know more about the subject matter than anyone in there. 
And I will always remember that, that you draw on what you know and your experience, because I'd been managing that division, that directorate. The people around were asking me questions about it. And she also said, you know, if you speak with confidence, it will give them assurance. And if you don't know, confidently say, I'm not sure about that, but I will get back to you in, whether it's an hour, a day, a week, and make sure you do get back to them. So I think as well, we have a commitment to ourselves that we must deliver what we say we will deliver, but have the confidence to say as well, I need to find that out. I will. I need to get more detail. And it's all back to the confidence that we can get from each other um, to go into these difficult situations. It's, it's funny you say that. I remember watching Heather Lawrence. She was the mm. uh, CEO of Chelsea. And then uh, she's now, I think she's chairman of London Ambulance. Mm. And I remember when I was uh, lead for ICU at Chelsea going along and watching how she managed all these male anaesthetists in in the in the intensive care group and and she orchestrated it and I thought you know that is you know go and have a look at your role models out there it it, it really does make me think sometimes when I'm in a meeting remember Heather Lawrence remember what she did yeah <laughs> I think another thing as well going into these um again I don't want to generalize but I I always Feel that with particularly our medical consultants, whoever they are, they do respond better to data, to outcomes, to facts. Yes. So going in and saying, you know, I really would like you to do X. Well, why? So have your, and I think that's back to, you know, your example, then certainly have your data with you to back up what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. We need to improve, we need to do improved data utilization by 10% because, yeah. or you are doing X number of cases on a list compared to your peers, which are, yeah. let's talk about the reasons why. So have some have some facts. Yeah. So you're you're having an informed conversation based on facts and not just on a feeling or a hunch or a hit bit of hearsay. And it's back yeah. to watching those people, how they do it, isn't it? And just having a couple yeah. of things up your sleeve you can just bring out, I think is really helpful, isn't it? It is. I agree completely. Yeah, know your audience and prepare. Mm. Definitely. I mean, so thank you for sharing that. And especially from Stephanie and Lara, I kind of got the impression that you've, at times, correct me if I'm wrong, you felt that you had to uh, over prepare and know everything because you mm. kind of felt that pressure that people might judge you when you get in that mm -hmm. room, just purely on the basis of female. And would you say that's a fair point? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. But I also think when you're going, it's back to my point that I started with. I think women can be sometimes our harshest critics to each other. So yes. equally prepare. Yeah. You know, and I think Helen just said, you know, know your audience, know what you're going to say and why you're there, regardless. Mm. Um, but I think it is difficult out there. And we know it from a health perspective. Um, and we're talking about when you plan meetings, aren't you? When you know what you're going to. So I know what I'm doing tomorrow. I don't know who's going to knock on my door now with a problem, no. with an issue. And they're the things that how do you then think on your feet? I guess it's a lot of its experience. But again, that's watching other people manage it well. Yeah. And I would say like kind of this like thing of like having confidence, but then the underpinning of that is having resilience. Yeah. Um, and and almost knowing your own strength, but also yeah. being able to deal with the difficulties that you know will come yeah. at you about supporting people through to have confidence, but also to have their own resilience. 
Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, no, that was a really good point. I definitely raised mm-hmm. some good points there, Stephanie. I feel like as though people listening to this as well, it will help them in their journey. And mm-hmm. it's what I meant about these podcasts. It shows, it provides a lot of familiarity and relatability for mm-hmm. other people who listen in. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so that's really, really good. Good. Um, so for Eleanor's point, so Eleanor put forward the question: um, What are personal lessons from others you took on board to shape your own leadership style? Um, so to start off Eleanor would you like to elaborate on that first yeah I think it comes back to sort of Stephanie's example of what she just mentioned about the person that orchestrated the the IC the Athenesis um I, I sort of reflected when um you are when I was thinking of the question to this about both the bad and the good experiences that I've had with female leadership and what almost I've drawn on to shape my own leadership style um and I think that's probably the most powerful influence that I've had so I had my um one of my managers who I had for quite a long time for different roles was just astoundingly good at embedding belief helping you build resilience dealing with situations in both um uh, difficult situations with both vulnerability but also um uh, uh I guess confidence um and just watching her and learning from her experience and almost practicing the same techniques and then also taking on that um, that belief that I can now almost replicate and do in others. And then contra- um, contrary to that was I've had a very bad female leader um, who once said to me, um, <clears throat> oh, what was it? It was something like, we all get stressed to deal with it. Um, and 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 things like that that w- weren't necessarily the most useful tool, mm. that I had, but meant that I then learned that that's not a, not something that is useful to someone that is stressed about something that is is not something to say. Um, so I was just interested in hearing about your similar experiences about what were the key people in your own career that have impacted your leadership style. Mm. Thank you for sharing that, Eleanor. I mean, it sounds like the stress and deal with it, I think that doesn't matter whether it's been from a female leader or a male leader, that's just a poor leadership out- yeah. outlook on how to deal with stress. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not very productive and not very useful. Um, so um, to, go, to start off with, Lara, would you like to comment on that? Yeah, no, and I'm really sorry you heard that. You know, it's 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 shocking, isn't it? And I think it's good that we're shocked. Yeah. Um, I think we all need to remain shocked at bad behaviour from anybody um, in any walk of life. Um, I don't think it matters where we work, but I do think there is something about being in health. We just have to be better. Um, People come to us at their worst times of their lives. So I think we need to stay shocked at things like that. And and as you say, remember it, but then learn from it because you'll never say that. You'll never be like that person. So it's back to learning from the positive role models, but also taking with us some of the shocking behaviours. And, you know, when I, if I look back on my career as a, as a very junior nurse, that was incredibly hierarchical. And we were all women. I mean, male I can't remember in my training, really, male nurses. You know, and I wouldn't talk to the ward sister, for example. You know, it was that hierarchy of who we spoke to in turn. And again, you know, I used to observe the ward sisters and think, oh, I want to be like you. And I can remember someone thinking, I'm going to be like you when I'm a ward sister because you smile, because you look smart, because you're competent. But the one thing that they all had 
the people that I remember that they were they were consistent they were the same person every day mm. so when you knocked on their door they were the same person and I think that's something I've taken with me um and when I talk about why why should I get this job why would I appoint you Lara well because you'll get the same person every day when you knock on my door however I am feeling I will hello how are you I've also learned that when you are finding life more difficult and we all do through stresses and strains of everyday life it's it, I we can talk about it now and I think that's a real bonus um, whereas I think back in the day, it wasn't so long ago that people wouldn't talk about, you know, feeling stressed, feeling anxious, feeling low, feeling vulnerable. Um, so I think you need sort of, you know, you need those people in your camp. You need your need your friends around you, whoever they are, to help you in those times so that you can be that consistent leader. Because your team want that from you, your colleagues want that from you. Um, but you have to pick out the ones that can help bring you back up behind the scenes a little bit. Um, you know, I'm going to walk out of this office now through a maternity unit at Northwick Park. People uh, people want to see me walking confidently, walking with a purpose, saying hello to people. If, if the things that are difficult, that needs to be done in a different place, I think. And again, it's learning to mix all of that up and, yeah. and to just really remember the awful comments that we made. You know, it's made us what we are today. That's why we're here today, because we've had those experiences. Um, and I think stay shocked at them but also now i think we would all deal with them i would hope so if we hear that behavior it's about saying what well, you know challenging people on those types of behavior um to help them through their journey but stay shocked at the comments but then you know do some challenge back because it's actually just not okay yeah completely agree stephanie C, you know, i was nodding throughout that you know what would you like to add to that no, I, I, I completely agree. I, I think, you know, it is staying shot, but it also as well, as I hear different things, I've got a, a really good uh, line manager at the moment and I hear her saying different things and, and it is that, you know, you've got the consistency with them. Mm. And I remember, you know, somebody else saying to me earlier on in my career who I had a lot of time for, and she said to me, she said, just be who you are. Yeah. You need to be anybody different, just be who you are. Um, you know, be the best of who you are, if you like, you know. Um, and, I, and I think you're right. I think it, it is now up to us when we hear things like people saying, you know, like they did to you, Eleanor, is, is to be able to have the, you know, the respect and find the right place to do it, but to speak to that person and say, excuse me, that, that, that you, you know, that really isn't the right way. <laughs> um, but um, because I think we have to, we, we we do have to look after each other, don't we, as well, you know? Oh, yeah, you're right. That's absolutely right. It's very important that you do look after each other. And I think that kind of goes for, you know, anyone in, you know, in any professional environment. And I think what you said about the consistency is key. I think that's important as well. No one wants a leader, whether it be male or female, to, you know, one day they have a bad time at home and then they come in and bring that into work and then reflect that to everyone. It's just like a negative energy that just brings the whole mood down across the board, especially when you look at a leader. When we're looking mm -hmm. to leaders for support and direction and we kind of reciprocate what they do. Um, so before we move on, like Eleanor, do you have anything I'd like to add to that? Yeah, no, I just really like the the point about consistency. I hadn't thought about it in that in that sort of um, vein before, but I think it's it's really important to always be the 
come and be present as yourself and be that person each time um yeah i thought that was really lovely thank you Brilliant. Um, so appreciate you going through the questions that you, you put forward. I do have a couple of ones I'd like to uh, propose. Um, one kind of links into what um, was mentioned before. Do you think that having a mentor or a coach is important in you know your rise to kind of working up to that female that does even just in leadership role? Is it, do you think it's important? I can see Lara nodding. Would you like to comment on that? And I'm nodding, but I'm also sort of kind of shaking my head and nodding. Um, <laughs> I think good role models around you are key and I think through those role models do they then become your mentor maybe do they do they coach you yes and I think it's about getting the right relationships around you where you can have feedback and support and feedback I've in my experience you know it's only useful to me if I value the person giving it to me mm. so I may select them you know it's always good I think at the end of a meeting to think so you know for example, Eleanor, how did I do? What would you know? How do you think it went? Did you do? So I think feedback's really important. Does it have to be formalised or can it be informal? Probably both, probably both as well for different times of your career. I would always advise people starting out on their career to have a framework around them, to have coaching or mentorship, definitely. But I think as you get older, you can be more selective and is me talking to my friend for an hour after work, coaching, mentorship, feedback, support. So I think you do need um, different things, but certainly to someone in their starting out their career um, in a, in, and in a professional way, I would certainly recommend that. And I would also recommend to people working clinically to have clinical supervision, you know, whether yeah. you have that in a group or individually. So you're actually, you know, using a reflective model to learn from experiences through that challenge and support and I did um, a King's Fund programme for a couple of years and we were in clinical supervision of six of us and it was it was an it was a very positive experience but it was also very exhausting very emotional quite difficult at times to get that that level of challenge and support but it did help you get to the next level so I'd always recommend that as well so I think there's a whole there's a whole suite of things aren't there Tom that can support you formally but I don't think any of them yeah. can make can substitute for that good colleagues around you good role models around you who yeah. you can hook into because sometimes you can't wait for your coaching or your mentorship or your supervision no. you just need someone that day so um a mixture of both depending on anyone so um sorry i sat on the fence a bit there but i Not i'm supporting it but i think it 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 can it can help having an informal network um is yeah. equally important yeah, appreciate what you said about the feedback as well. Um, my director, Bernadette, she always says that feedback is a gift that should be well received. And it is, it is yeah. true. It is a gift. Um, yeah. Whether you you know you believe it or not, it allows you to kind of take it in and develop yeah. it as a person. And yeah. I think that's what was really important. Um, Eleanor, what would you like to say in terms of, you know, whether you think having a mentor or coach is important? I... I... I think Lara's point about it, it's having mentors at the right stage when you need mm. them is really key and whether or not that be through your early stage or or when you realise that you're not happy and you need someone to sort of um mm. or you want to move up or, or you're stuck I think there's there's points about when people are really it's almost like having a therapist in lots of different ways <laughs> yeah people can come in and guide you through um through that coaching um through the inspiration and give you that little bit of um, 
uplift I think having those people at those points are really important um there's also something about finding the right mentor which can be quite difficult um and um uh I think you know mentor mentor networks and having that pool of people and having the structures in place within trusts or organizations which <laughs> enable you to find the right person is really important as well yeah oh brilliant thank you Shane that Stephanie yeah. what are your thoughts I, I think you know I think they're very helpful if you if you're if you like your line manager leader is not somebody that you can get that from because yeah. I think if you've got a good um if you'd like leader who you who you meet um whether that be that you meet them after a meeting or you you have a coffee with them every couple of weeks I think if you can respect them and when you ask for open feedback you really mean you want open constructive mm. feedback I mean not not you know anything else then then I think you you don't need it as much but I do like that fact Eleanor you're quite right I think when you're in that sort of place where you, you don't know where you're going whether it's your career or you know that that sort of day-to-day -day, are you in the right job um perhaps you you haven't got that listening um leader with you or 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 supportive colleagues, that really is the time where you need some coaching to find your way out of it, to be to be honest with you. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. And I think, it, mm. I think to be honest with you, having a mentor coach, I think it's important anyone who's trying to rise through the ranks, you know, it kind of gives you an outlook on how to get there. Cause I think sometimes it's different when you have a leader or a coach into, as separated from your line manager. I think you take it a different <laughs> way when it's coming from two different directions. Um, no, brilliant. Thank you all for sharing that. And one last point I'd like to put across um, is so something we've done when we've done uh, female leadership articles and we spoke to female leaders, a, a thing that gets raised quite a lot um, is imposter syndrome. Um, so I just wanted to understand, you know, have any of you experienced imposter syndrome? How did you overcome it? Like, you know, what's your experience with that? Um, so we start off with Stephanie, do you like to go first on that one? Um, yeah, I think I did. I think, especially with the different things I've done in, in my career. Um, I think you do from being a sort of a, a newly qualified nurse to going to, you know, your first management role to going to IT, you know, something, something very different. You always think, you know, and I think you, this is where if you like where you if you've had coaching before and people have helped you with different techniques and it is what we've said all along it's going in there having everything you need um and he, even if it's just metaphorically having your head held high um and somebody was saying to me that they actually feel easier in these events now now we have to wear masks interestingly um yeah. they they just felt it gave them that extra confidence they didn't have before so um yeah that that was just an interesting point somebody gave me but I, but i do think you know you that imposter syndrome sometimes comes not from where you think it will be. It's not the manager because they've given you the job. They've got the confidence for you to do it. It's often the junior people around you and you think, oh, uh, you know, do they think that I, I'm the right person? Do they think I, they can do better? You know, are they watching me? Are they are they making notes? You know, so it, it, it's sometimes them, isn't it? Rather than uh, perhaps anybody senior or even your peers. 
Oh, brilliant. Thank you for sharing that, Stephanie. And I'm seeing Eleanor, what, what's your thoughts? I've seen you kind of um, like nod and smile straight away as soon as I mentioned it. Yeah, no, I, I think it's uh, the amount of um, female colleagues, um, people that I manage that will come and reference their imposter syndrome um, probably happens weekly. I think it's definitely language that's that's well known and sort of people are more aware of, I guess, than they, they were previously. I really um, uh, resonate with Stephanie's point about it's the people below you that tend to, <laughs> you tend to have a charge of all these great people, sort of that, that, that moment, um, uh, which is a gift as well. It's definitely a gift, that two-way learning street, um, for sure. Um, but I, I think it comes back to my point that I first made about um, the, the, the belief and making sure that you're you're almost you're surrounding yourself with people and managers that are counteracting those voices in your head um about being an imposter um, and, and guiding you through that because um I think most of the time I don't think anyone's started a, a day on the first job where they've gone oh I know exactly what I'm doing quite a lot of the time and it is it all comes down to sort of what advice and what um, uh, guidance you choose to surround yourself with and accept to, to take you through that um, and challenging it when you hear someone say that they feel like an imposter and being like no I definitely believe in you um, and it's okay to feel like that it's okay to feel like being an imposter we all do and it's it's going there being an imposter being a good be a great imposter if you need to be um because i believe that you you aren't that doesn't make any sense but i hope you know what i meant no it does it does no thank you for sharing that it's really interesting to hear experiences and lara would you mind commenting on that well it's a really difficult one for me to answer because in my head right now imposter syndrome is something that it's like been invented recently and it's a new phrase isn't it there's that goes along with many that I hear from uh, younger relatives and you know, people. You know. But actually, when you think about it, I would say no, I in my new job this week. No, I don't. I don't. I don't think I've ever sat and thought I shouldn't be doing this. I don't deserve it. But what I have felt is nervousness, anxiety and wanting to do the best. So I guess in a way we've is that imposter syndrome? I'm not an expert to know, yeah. but I, I've never knowingly walked into anywhere thinking, Do you know, I don't deserve this because I know mm. I've been through a process mm. to get it. Mm. But I think it is sometimes when you walk into the room, first of all, you're like, I know I've been selected. I know you know all the right things in, you know, the facts, the evidence. But there is that sort of nervousness that am I going to get this right? What's the tone? How do I deal with the first conversation, the first issue? But I also think, as I think Eleanor, you touched on it, that's, I think that's um, a benefit to an organisation because I think you're coming. All of that's because you want to be there and you want to do a good yeah. job. And I think it's also about being um, insightful and having some self-awareness. Um, and I think people who don't recognise that in themselves often are the leaders that we, people that we don't want to be led by. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think us being a little bit nervous or a little bit anxious call it what you will and I would always admit that to my team so you know I'm 
and they'll find out soon here, you know, when we go to a performance review, we will be having a rehearsal, we'll be having a practice, we'll be challenging each other, we'll be getting our, our performance to be the best it can be before we go into another room. Now, it, and I think that's having insight, knowing that if we do that, we'll all be the best. I want my team to be amazing out there. Um, so I've got enough insight to know to do that and to say, I won't always get it right first time. The team won't always get it right first time. So I think it's that imposter syndrome. Is it being nervous, anxious? Is it having insight, experience? I'm not sure, but I'm going to have to, I am going to think about that one in more depth and take that away, Tom. Um, but I, I am with Eleanor a bit. I think it's support your colleagues through that. Give them yeah. the confidence that we've talked about and give them the consistent role modeling that they need as well to get through it. Um, but I do think often those people will become the best leaders that we can have. Yeah, mm. it shows that it shows that they care, doesn't it? You yeah. know, it shows that they want the best, yeah. best person to be in that position. They often might feel like, is that me? And it just shows that you yeah. really do care about what it, if they walked in and didn't feel that and weren't bothered yeah. about that, it, it'd be completely different, especially working in the NHS, you know. Yeah everyone looks to you guys to kind of be yeah. the solutions to a lot of problems no thank you for sharing that i do appreciate it and just to kind of tie off everything just a little kind of fun wind down one thing um it started off in one of the original podcasts uh, a gentleman asked um what was your favorite stuffed toy as a child and now it's become a common theme so i'd like to ask you all what's your favorite stuff chat stuffed toy as a child Stephanie, you guys go first. Go on, I'll go first. Well, I still got mine, and it was a teddy bear. It's upstairs, otherwise I would get it. Uh, that was given to me on the day I was born. I'm not going to tell you how old it is, but it is getting on a bit. Now. <laughs> <laughs> love that. Love that. Um, Lara, what was yours? Mine was a doll called Drowsy, and oh. I and I remember it so well. I can picture her now. So yeah, I had a doll that went everywhere with me till till she fell apart. Oh, I mean, that, that was a devastating day. <laughs> Eleanor, um, what, what was yours? I had this, like, it was my favourite because it was the biggest one, and it was a white polar bear called Mickey. Lovely. But he was very, very soft. But, yeah, he often came with me and played on lots of events. <laughs> oh, I love that, I love that. Mine was like a little tiger one um, that I got for Christmas one year from being young. That's the one I first remember, and, and it was just kind of stuck. Maybe his last name's Lion, I found it relatable, I don't know, but, you know, <laughs> um, but yeah. No, I just want to say thank you all again for taking the part, uh, take your time to give to give this podcast uh, some words there. Um, it's been a really good conversation, and yeah, I do really appreciate it. Um, yeah, so thank you very much. Hope you all enjoyed it. <laughs>